Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. You're ready, double A. <laughs> Rock and roll. All right. In three, two, and one. <laughs> Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential. Yellow. How's it going? Great. How you doing, baby? Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. I am Angie. You are Marty. Still, yes. Always and forever. Oh. Happy Saturday. Yeah, you too. When this airs, it's not going to be Saturday, but at some point when somebody else is listening to it, maybe it will be on a Saturday. It sure will be. And they'll be like, wow, they're talking directly to me. Right, to my soul. That's the way I want it. My, my Saturdays. So, summer is just about over. Good. <laughs> means football. <laughs> means crunchy leaves. Means candy corn. Look at that squirrel outside the that, means that squirrel won't be outside our window all day. He's been, um, as I was sitting on the couch in the living room, I kept hearing like this racket. And he was crawling up the screen on the, the window out oh, front. Oh, jeez, oh, Pete. Yeah, yeah. We, we live in a jungle here. We do. The jungle of Detroit. We, we live in the middle of it with yep. the squirrels and whatnot just running about. It's not bad. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but... Uh, these little critters have a habit of getting into the house. Like, not like through the door or anything. They're not like chilling in the living Just room. Knocking. But, you know. <laughs> knocking on the front door. Yeah, they end up like in the in the walls somehow. And it's, I mean, I haven't heard them in a long time. So that's know, good. But. Do you know why that is? Because this house is falling down around us. Because um, this house was a bad investment. You don't need to tell people that. That's, I mean, the house was a fantastic sounds investment. Sounds terrible. And we'll let you have it for pennies on a dollar. <laughs> So I was trying to figure out how to get rid of the squirrels uh-huh. from inside the house because we did have a squirrel problem a while ago and we actually had to pay hundreds of dollars for this man to come oh, out and, and trap them and it was it was really tough to watch you guys like it's if you if you've never been a part of trapping squirrels I'm really happy for you because it sucks. Just hearing them cry all night long in this cage because the guy wouldn't come and pick it up. There were babies, like um, a mama and a daddy squirrel made babies inside of our, like the ceiling or something. And so this guy had to come out and set a live trap and he got them all. But at one point there was like two or three babies in the trap and they were just... It was horrible. It was and, a horrible yeah. thing to watch. And I hated it. And a squirrel it. all day long trying to, on the outside, trying to chew through the metal yep. to get them out. It, it was awful. It was terrible. But. Squirrels looking at me with pleading eyes to do something. It's like, I can't do anything. Right. 
I just hope that he released him in the wild, but I don't even want to know the answer. No. So we haven't had any issues in a while, and I think it's because I got one of those plug-in things, and I put it in the bathroom upstairs, and it, and it like makes this screeching noise that only animals can hear, unless you turn it up louder. Is that what keeps me up all night? You don't hear I it. I know. I'm kidding. I'm an animal. Get it? <sighs> so anyways... That's why we don't have squirrels. I know, that's fantastic. That's the same uh, theory as the old, uh, what's it, people put those in the front of their car to not hit deer? What do yeah. they call those? Those little light things? No. They're not like lights, a, but yeah. They like a high-pitched sound that only deer can hear? Yeah. Every, and it says, hey, stand still. Listen, every single vehicle that I've ever seen with those things on it, they've hit a deer. Mm-hmm. Like after they've put those things on, it's it's almost like it attracts deer. That's what I'm and saying. And also it's... we live in Michigan and if you've lived in northern Michigan, there's literally nothing that's going to deter a deer from running across the front of your vehicle. I can promise you that cuz we had one in the middle of downtown mm-hmm. West Branch and it like hit somebody else's car and then rolled over the hood of ours as oh, we were boy. driving like 35 miles an hour down the road. So it does not matter what you do. There was an awesome story years ago about an urban deer that busted into like a uh, like a, a t-shirt slash like trophy shop kind of place mm-hmm. and ended up getting like the trophies all caught in its oh horns and running out. That's horrible. It was a prized buck. It got away. Poor <laughs> prized buck. All right, so moving on. I'm glad he got away. I hope he's still safe. I hope he's still safe and he's still number one, baby. I hope he's not jerky. Anyways, so we always, if you're new here, welcome. And I hope you stick around for a long time. I think that's all I was going to say about that. I don't remember. Anyways. Um, How welcoming of you. I got I got sidetracked. We're going to roll out the, uh, the carpet. <laughs> so... We have started a new segment called County Roots, where we talk about the um, origin of the names of counties in the state of Michigan. And we are on to the letter J. So if you remember on the last episode, we were trying to figure out how many counties in the state of Michigan start with the letter J. Yeah, I can only think of one. And that is? Jackson. That's the only one. The only one. Yeah. All right. Yep. So we were correct. So Jackson County... What do you think Jackson County was named for? It better not be Stonewall Jackson. Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. All right. Considered one of Michigan's cabinet counties, Jackson County was named after President Andrew Jackson. It's believed this was a strategic political move in the hopes of winning a few points with the Jackson administration to help seal the deal for statehood and win the dispute over the Toledo Strip. The Jackson administration. That's mm-hmm. a, Wasn't that they, a band? Yeah, I think that was the, the reunion album. When they went out on the victory yeah. tour, yeah, that with makes the Jackson sense. administration. So the next letter is K. The letter K. K is for I got a gal in Kalamazoo. Yeah, yeah, I love zoo, that song. Zoo, 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 zoo. Both the county and the city named Kalamazoo took their names from the river here, which appeared on maps in the 1820s as. Mm, I should have practiced this word. Do it live on the air. Kikilamazoo? Kikilamazo. There are many theories regarding the meaning and origin of this Native American word that was mangled and misappropriated over time by, by? French and English-speaking settlers. His name does not oh. come up in this one. The most popular ones are that it meant reflecting waters, stones like otters, or boiling point. The latter referring to a legend involving a Potawatomi. Pato- 
Potawatomi. Yep, man. Winning his ride by running to a point on the river and back before the water in a pot boiled away. You know, I did hear the boiling point thing before. Really? With, with Kalamazoo. Never heard of it. Like that. Yeah. That's cool. Supposedly it was an old native word for boiling water or something. Yeah, boiling pot. Yeah. Kalkaska County, mm-hmm. originally named Wabasi after a Potawatomi chief, Kalkaska was given a new name said to derive from a word meaning either flat land or burned overland, possibly one of the false Native American names suggested by... Henry Schoolcraft. You got it. Kent County, James Kent was a 19th century legal scholar and New York attorney who represented the Michigan Territory during border disputes with Ohio over the Toledo Strip. It's suggested he's the reason for Kent County's name. And the reason for the UP. Thank you, Mr. Kent. Keweenaw County, occupying a peninsula that juts into Lake Superior on the northern shores of the UP, Keweenaw County gets its name from an indigenous word, likely meaning the crossing place, or land crossing between two bodies of water. Mm-hmm. So An that's, isthmus. That's it for J and K. All right. How many start with the letter L, do you think? One I can think of. Lenaway? Just, just a little game I like to play now. Well, that's all I can think of is Lenaway County. Lenaway. I mean, putting me on the spot like that. Lenaway... Leelanau? Is that a county? That's a peninsula, but maybe it's a county. No, that's in Grand Traverse County. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. You know what? Surprise me next week. All right. Yeah. So I'm trying to get comfortable here. Get settled in. Right, you want to lay down? Turn the lights <laughs> off? <laughs> Some mood, mood music on? You are the mood music. You got it. Yeah. So this week's show is about a gentleman I had never heard of before, but discovered him during my jury duty stint at the Frank Murphy Hall of Justice in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, so as I was standing um, very impatiently in a super long line, which kind of rivaled the line at the Kendrick Lamar concert I went to the night prior, I noticed a plaque on the wall with a brief history of Ocean Suite on it and thought he would be a perfect person to learn about. Ocean Suite? Yeah. That sounds like a room. It does. His name is spelled O-S-S-I-A-N. Oh, yeah, Ocean Suite. Is it pronounced Ocean? Ocean? I'm not sure. It might be Ocean, but... The way it's phonetically, okay. I can't remember if it's a long O or a short O. Well, we may mispronounce it, but yes, I'm familiar with who you're talking about I've now. I've been Let's saying Ocean. Yeah. So as a, um, I guess, a, like a little warning, there, um, the show may be kind of difficult for some people to listen to, mm-hmm. and it also may not be suitable for little ones. So listen with care. Um, if you, you know, if you listen to the show with your children, I would suggest listening to it first and making that decision um, after you hear what we talk about. So all of the information today came from Wikipedia, the Community Associations Institute, and DetroitHistorical.org. Ocean Sweet was a black doctor in Detroit known for being charged with murder after he and some of his friends defended Sweet's home against a mob of white men. Ocean was the second-born son to Henry Sweet and Dora Devon in 1895 in Bartow, Florida. When Ocean was three years old, his father purchased a farm and moved the family to Polk County, Florida, where Ocean and his nine siblings helped care for the fields and the animals on the farm. At the age of five, Ocean witnessed a black man named Fred Rochelle being lynched and burned to death by a white mob. Ocean was about a mile from home, out alone at night for some reason. He hid in the bushes to avoid being seen. 
Sweet later could, quote, recount it with frightening specificity. The smell of kerosene, Rochelle's screams as he was engulfed in flames, the crowds picking off pieces of shard flesh to take home as souvenirs. Damn, how old was he, too? He was five. Five. That's... Yeah. Uh, Like, the fact that he saw this was gross enough. I mean, the fact that it happened was bad enough. And then that he saw it, but then souvenirs... What I mean, inhumane country. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. At the age of 13, Sweet left Florida to obtain a better education in the North. He attended Wilberforce College in Xenia, Ohio, the first college to be owned and operated by African Americans. During the first four years of Sweet's eight years at Wilberforce, he studied in its prep school where he learned Latin, history, mathematics, English, music, art, philosophy, social and introductory science, and foreign language to prepare for college. He worked odd jobs, such as shoveling snow and working in restaurants to pay for tuition and books, which was $118 at the time. He was a charter member of the Delta chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi and earned a bachelor's degree in science when he was 25 years old. He then moved on to attend Howard University in Washington, D.C., where he earned his medical accreditation. In July of 1919, while attending Howard, Sweet witnessed the Washington, D.C. race riot. The so-called Red Summer of 1919 began as a result of post-war tensions and competition for jobs following the return of World War I veterans. For three days, white men, many in military uniforms, pulled blacks from streetcars attacking them. Many of the blacks began arming themselves and fighting back. Ten white people, including two police officers and five black people, died. This was one of the first race riots where more whites died than blacks. After seeing a black man beat mercilessly after being pulled from a streetcar, Sweet and his two frat brother—I'm sorry, Sweet and his frat brothers—stayed inside while the fighting happened just four, four blocks from where they lived. Once Sweet completed his medical degree, he moved to Detroit in the late summer of 1921. Even with a medical degree, he found it difficult to find work in a hospital, so he worked in restaurants until he finally saw an option to practice medicine. There was a local pharmacy with office space for rent, so he paid for the space and saw his first patient, a woman named Elizabeth Riley. Elizabeth had a stiff jaw and assumed she had contracted tetanus, but Sweet diagnosed her as having a dislocated jaw. He reset the bone, and Elizabeth told those in her neighborhood. He began seeing more patients and eventually found work with Liberty Life Insurance as a medical examiner. In 1922, Sweet married Gladys Mitchell, and in 1923, they went to Vienna and Paris for Sweet to further his medical studies. In 1924, Gladys gave birth to a daughter they named Marguerite and later called Iva. Also that year, they returned to Detroit, and he became affiliated with Dunbar Hospital, which was Detroit's first hospital to serve the black community. Sweet saved money to purchase a house for his family, and they moved into the home at 2905 Garland Street in an all-white neighborhood. Oxford Dictionary defines a restrictive covenant as a covenant imposing restriction on the use of land so that the value in adjoining land will be preserved. Racially restrictive covenants first appeared in deeds in California and Massachusetts at the end of the 19th century to prevent racial, ethnic, and religious minority groups from buying, leasing, and even occupying homes. It wasn't until 1945 with the case Shelley v. Kramer when the U.S. Supreme Court decided racially restrictive covenants violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. 
Even still, housing discrimination was still prevalent until the Fair Housing Act of 1968, which prohibited, quote, discrimination of sale, rental, and financing of dwelling or other housing-related transactions based on race, color, national origin, religion, and sex. For the Sweet family, the restrictive covenants aimed at low-income families wouldn't prevent him from buying a house because of his doctor's salary. Unfortunately, those in white neighborhoods would find other ways to block minorities from moving into, quote, their neighborhoods. It should be noted that Ocean Sweet and his family purchased their home for $18,500, which was $6,000 more than the house's fair market value. In today's money, what they paid in 1925 would be equivalent to $3 million. $31,357.14. That's insane. Yeah. Insane, especially if you've, you've seen the house. I saw photos of the house. I mean, it's just a, it's, a typical small brick bungalow in yeah, Detroit. Yeah. And to think that, I mean, $18,000 was a lot of money yeah. for anybody during that time. And the fact that it was $18,000 well, plus the 6000 that they you know the right. increase that they had to pay but a testament as a, to dr sweet though too he as a made black that money. family right yeah. it, i mean it was you know something like that was absolutely unheard of months prior to the sweets purchasing their home other homes purchased by middle class blacks in white neighborhoods had been attacked many of the working class whites resented sweet's success and a confrontation took place on september 9th 1925 that was yesterday yeah well well, Historic, the anniversary yeah. was yesterday. Yes. Didn't just happen yesterday. Officers were assigned to keep the peace in the neighborhood and specifically in front of Sweet's home. Sweet also had friends and family over to help protect his home and wife and daughter. The men included Charles Washington, he was an insurance man, Leonard Morse, a colleague, William Davis, Otis and Henry Sweet, Ocean's brothers, John Ladding, Henry Sweet's college friend, Norris Murray, a handyman, and Joe Mack, the chauffeur. On night two of a hostile crowd in front of his home, Sweet felt that, quote, somewhere out there, standing among the women and children, lounging on the porches, lurking in the alleyways, were the men who would incite the crowd to violence, end quote. The crowd began throwing stones at the house, eventually breaking a window. Some of Sweet's friends were armed with guns and began shooting, hitting two white men. One was shot in the leg and wounded, and the other, who was actually just watching the events and not participating, was killed. All nine black men, including Sweet and Sweet's wife, Gladys, were taken into custody and questioned for five hours. They were arrested for murder. Gladys was released in early October on bail, but the men were held at the Wayne County Jail until the completion of the trial. The trial took place before Frank Murphy, who we'll most likely do a future show on. He was considered to be a very progressive judge compared to others in the city of Detroit at the time. The NAACP assisted Sweet and his friends with money and the support necessary for a defense. Charles H. Mahoney, a renowned African-American lawyer from Detroit, represented, represented the defendants. Clarence Darrow, who also joined the defense team, was considered to be, quote, one of the most brilliant defense attorneys in the U.S. Yeah, the most famous lawyer of his time. Mm -hmm. By the time trial came around, charges had been dropped against three of the original 11 defendants. The morning of Friday, October 30th, the remaining defendants were ready for trial. They faced an all-white jury. The trial lasted until the end of November, at which time most of the jury members agreed the defendants should be acquitted. There were a few holdouts, but Judge Murphy dismissed the hung jury and declared a mistrial. 
Ocean and his wife Gladys were expecting to be back in court within weeks, but delays prevented that. Attorney Darrow filed a motion to have the trial of the defenses severed, with each to be tried separately, which was accepted. The second trial didn't begin until April 19, 1926, again in front of an all-white jury. Ocean's youngest brother, Henry, was to be tried first. He was acquitted. Once Henry was acquitted, the prosecution dropped charges against the remaining defendants. Good. Following the acquittal, Sweet's life continued to be difficult. Gladys and their daughter, Iva, both contracted tuberculosis. Iva died two months after her second birthday in 1926. Gladys died in 1928. Sweet was unable to pay off the land contract on his home until 1950, but by then he had faced so many financial troubles he was unable to keep it for long. His physical and mental health were declining, and on March 20, 1960, he died by suicide. The Ocean Sweet House was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1985, and a State of Michigan historical marker was erected on July 22, 2004. Yeah, and they just had the uh, the open house uh, this year, 2022, on uh, on September 8th. And I know this because I did the flyer for it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I designed the flyer, and they had uh, the, the keynote speaker this year. They had uh, Stephen L. Reed, the mayor of Montgomery, Alabama. And one of the guests was Dana Nessel, our attorney general, was there so speaking. So kind of weird that you did that, that it all happened like this weekend yeah and i did not tell you that this is what we were doing the show on it all came together that's yeah. right wow it was a fun little project i that's got to bananas do. yeah so did you know this story prior i did yeah okay i did but uh you know it's good to to, to hear it again yeah and remember that you know we're not that far removed from Mm-mm. those days and you know, it does all line up like they did just have the open house and, uh, you know, had a bunch of speakers, uh, you know, speaking about the legacy of Dr. Sweet mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, housing in, in Detroit, segregation, you know, housing discrimination in Detroit. And, you know, I mean, it's still a battle. Yeah. Still a battle being fought. Maybe yeah. Not necessarily in Detroit, but, uh, you know, in Rose Point and other places. And the Sweets lived in Black Bottom before they moved into the white neighborhood. And yeah. um, I believe you and I have seen a couple of different documentaries, Detroit-specific um, documentaries on Black Bottom. Yeah, Black Bottom is definitely a topic we need to address mm-hmm. later because that was a, a neighborhood that was completely wiped out by urban planning. Yeah. Oh, we decided we need to build a freeway through here. Right. And they just completely wiped out, you know, which was, you know, the center of black culture in Detroit. What was that documentary? There's a fantastic documentary on PBS, and I can't remember the name of it, but if you Google, like, Detroit Postal Worker documentary or something to that effect, oh, yeah. I'm sure you can find it. But they talked a lot about Black Bottom on that. and so about, like, the oldest post? Well, there was a, yeah, the, um, there was a postman that they followed around and um talk to like his the people on his route and stuff in detroit and they did this whole show on on him and his housing situation because if you remember his house i think it got like foreclosed on or Mm -hmm. he had to sell it because they were gonna come through and but i mean just a really really great document like i'm obsessed anybody that's listened to this show before knows that we're pretty much obsessed with documentaries if we're not watching wrestling house of dragons um 
Reservation Dogs. Reservation Dogs. Highly recommended if you haven't watched it. Tune in. Um, Michigan Great Out, Michigan Out of Doors, and Under the Radar. Under the Radar. Under then, the Radar. Spiritual. Yes. Founding then father. If we're not watching Tom one Dalton of those shows, is then, the patron saint of this show. <laughs> then if, we are. If that hasn't come across <laughs> yet, that Tom Dalton is revered as a saint, Saint Tom. By the Great Lakes Confidential crew, then we're doing our job yes. wrong because we have a great reverence for Mr. Tom Dalton. We do. But if we're not watching one of those shows, we are definitely watching some other sort of documentary, yeah. probably on PBS. But um, there, like Detroit Public TV has some really good shows, and that was one of them about the postal worker and the the change. I mean, they talk to people. What was really crazy, too, was that we watched that episode – and then a few weeks later, when I was working at the flower shop, we did the funeral flowers for one of the guys that was in that show. Like they wow. interviewed one of the guys in that show yeah. and then he passed away earlier this year and we did the flowers for his funeral. And I remember seeing the name and I was like, why do I know this name? This name sounds so familiar to me. And I Googled it and I was like, oh my God, we watched his, we watched the documentary and he was interviewed because he was on that postal workers route. Yeah. And he had lived in that area for, you know, years and years and years and years and years. And so they interviewed him and they, I believe they talked to him about, about Black Bottom and um, just like the changes that Detroit has gone through in the last 60, 70, 80 years and just really, really, really great, informative, really well done documentary. So highly recommend it. If I can remember to, I'll I'll Google it myself and I'll link it on our Facebook page. Speaking of links, just want to say, isn't it weird? The interconnectivity of life. Like here we are just thinking we're neutral observers doing a podcast and we're like, oh yeah, we've got a connection to that story. Yeah. We've got a connection to that story. It's just, it's you know, the, weird. the interconnected web of Detroit. Yeah. Such a beautiful city. Yeah. Hard scrabble city at some times, but a beautiful fighting spirit. I think... Detroit doesn't give an, get enough credit from a lot of people. Yeah. And like I, I recognized not long ago that a lot of the shows that we do are central around Detroit and the you know things that are happening locally for us. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, you know, there's a good reason for that because we live here. But but I also recognize that Detroit really is, you know, She's fighting. Yeah. Like, she is trying to come back. She's winning. And I she's think. doing great. I will say it's fantastic to be known right now for pizza and a crazy slide instead of, you know, going back to the 80s when we were like the murder capital yeah. of, you know. Yeah. There's a lot. the hip hop scene. We're known for the hip hop there's scene. A lot, there's a lot of good stuff happening in Detroit, you know, yeah. not just the crazy slide. And I I don't know that I even call the this, this slide a good thing. I mean, it's brought some attention to the city, fun. but. I hate to say it, it was fun. Nobody got hurt severely. They should. <laughs> it was fun, right? You know. I don't think anyone left in an ambulance. They charged $1 to go down that. They should have charged. Two or three for helmets. Yeah. Like, literally should have been wearing some sort of protective right. equipment. Invest in helmets next time. Charge but, two bucks next you know, year. Yeah. Whatever. But but we've also got, what is it, the number one river walk in the country? That's what they say, yeah. So that's pretty... Which is crazy to me. Like, anytime we pop up on any list as, you know, the number one anything, I'm always like, what? Are you... Really? Are you it's serious? Because to me, it's, you know, it's just Detroit, where we live. But also, 
the thing is like that river walk it's not just a river walk they've got you can play sports down there they've yeah. got playgrounds down there they have a whole like a whole <laughs> excuse my language they got a whole ass roller rink down there like yeah. you could go outdoor roller skating I mean, it's a lot in different downtown than, Detroit yeah, it's so next much to the river. Than what I you like know, remember, like the river walk was. Uh, oh, you mean Hart Plaza? Yeah. Like when I was younger, like, it, you know, you don't think of like now it stretches from what? Like the the, the Aretha Franklin amphitheater mm-hmm. all the way down to yeah. Zug Island. I don't even know. It's like, amazing. It's just this giant. It's, what yeah. they're doing is incredible. So I. I, you know, like stories like this are really important to share because clearly, like, we don't want history to repeat itself. We also have our boondoggles and... But uh, we also, you know... Like the Q line. But there's also so much good stuff happening that Mm -hmm. we need to, you know, that I'd love to bring attention to. What I would love is if somebody, like, hears this podcast and, like, somebody that's listening in Turkey, like, listens to this podcast and they're like... I like roller skating outdoors. I'm going to go to Detroit. That's I like where river You know walks. what I mean? Yeah. Like that's going to be my next big Let's vacation. Go to I would love for somebody. <laughs> and then they're at like yeah, visiting the sweet house on their vacation, like coming over from Europe and I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the amazing thing is I would say Detroit has been a vacation destination for Europeans much more than it has been for our fellow Americans. Yeah. Like just going to, you know, the Motown Museum. That's like, about to change big time, oh, too. Oh, yeah, big, They big just giant. released, was was it yesterday? They just released the drawings, the sketches for yeah. what they're doing. Well, I haven't seen the latest ones. I remember seeing the old ones it's where dope. it basically looked like a shopping mall. It's dope. Like a giant warehouse yeah. built behind. No, they're doing, yeah. This little, this little home on Grand Boulevard. It's going to be amazing. This little white and blue home on Grand Boulevard where all the hits were made. It's, Hitsville, USA, they call it. Motown. Mm-hmm. Motown music. Maybe you've heard of it. Comes did, from the Motor City. We did a show on it. Oh, yeah. Fortune Records. Maybe you've heard of it. Comes also, from the Motor City. Also, uh, Hitsville was a Jeopardy question. Yeah. Like earlier this week, I think it was. Insane. Yeah. But that was a rerun, though. I know, but still, it was on. Yeah. Yeah. Who won, Ryan? I don't remember. Also, since we're talking about Detroit and what Detroit has, that's so great and amazing. Um... Detroit has an octopus. Oh, we have an octopus now. A living octopus, a living not just one thrown on the ice on, during hockey games. It's on Belle Isle. Please go and see it. Um, I took my youngest to go see it, and I cannot even lie. I'm going to get choked up now because it is the most beautiful little guy. I love octopi so much. They're brilliant. I love brilliant. octopi. no. They're brilliant and beautiful and so smart and just... Oh, That's why you love me just too. So <laughs> Yeah, except mm. for <laughs> Go on. I'll be fine. I'd like you even more if you could camouflage into the background when you were scared. Oh, don't I do that most of the time? That's fair. Okay. So, go check out the octopus. He's super cute. Don't be mean, though. Also, here's my new plan. I don't know if I should be telling everybody this or not, because I, I texted my son and told him, and he was like, that's a great idea. And now I don't know if I should tell you. But we're in too deep. My new plan, because you know octopi, 
They'll recognize you. You want to befriend the octopi. I'm going to go to Belle Isle as much as possible. I got to wait until it cools down because right now, did you guys know that? Until he recognizes your face. Yeah. Like cheese. An octopus has to live in. He has to live in really, really cold water and it's too hot outside right now. So the, the, the glass on his aquarium fogs up. It's like a a frosty mug of beer. It is. It is. So I don't want to go now, but when it starts getting cooler, I'm going to go like weekly until he recognizes me. And then every time I show up, that octopus is going to be like, hey, what's up, girl? What up, Ange? Mm -hmm. High five. So I ate. That's my new plan. I mean, I've pretty much accomplished most other things that I want yeah, to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, you can do anything is, you put your mind to. Now all you got to like, do is make an octopus friend. Yeah. Or an octopus familiar for Halloween. I really want to hug an octopus. Oh, imagine. That's got to be great. All eight arms to oh hold you God. with. Wasn't that a, an album in the 90s? Uh, was that Veruca Salt? Your <sighs> album? Eight arms to hold you with? Can't fight the seether? Yep. Am I right? Yeah, I I'm right. I believe so. I'm yeah, right. I can see. I can. I can see the uh, the photo on the CD because yeah. I owned it. So that's my new plan. If you if you own an octopus that you're gonna let me hug, living octopus, let me know. This is Detroit. People smuggle in dead ones and throw them on the ice. At the yeah, it's got to be alive. I want to make. I want to make friends with it. I don't want to make it dinner. Right. So we're talking food grade octopuses that they throw on the ice. Not it's the, not octopuses. Not the, it's an octopi. Octopuses. Oh my god! If you were, if you were somebody you know owns uh, an uh, octopus uh, that's alive, uh, email me octopus. at Gray Lakes Confidential at no gmail right. That's our show. Thank you. <laughs> Be safe out there. Yes. <laughs>